Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. As we close out our Wednesday Lenten teaching series, we are joined by Tom Lennon, the station manager of Word FM. Tom will be preaching on Blessed Are the Persecuted. But before we get to that, just one more reminder that you can get all of the details concerning our Holy Week services on our website, ccgf.org Easter. Now, here is Tom Lemon with this week's Lenten Message Teaching. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. You know, uh, Nancy, is Nancy in the house? Where is Nancy? Is she here? She's somewhere. Yeah, I, I'm always. Uh, she's always. Even when I come to visit, she's like, I saw you. <laughs> I, I love it. Uh, but she's so good at, at all these things, and I, and I love it. She called me today, and she said, are, are you still coming? I said, yes. I am still coming. I love to preach. I mean, the cats were really getting sick of this message. I preached it to them about 15 times, and they just kept running upstairs. Um, and then I feel bad. There was, I was preaching my message again today on my way into work. And you ever have that moment when you think, is someone watching me? Right? And when I preach, when I preach, I use my hands a lot. Right? And so I was, and then I look over and some guy's looking at me. Right? Going, yeah. So uh, I prayed for him. And, um, but uh, take your Bible if you would, or your bulletin insert, and uh, we're going to look at Matthew 5. Obviously, you know the Beatitudes. Uh, Two simple things uh, that I think about with the Beatitudes, uh, and and they're very personal to me, Uh, and and the way I've always approached this passage of Scripture are just two simple ways. And the first point is uh, to embrace the Beatitudes, you see, we, we know they're there. We know that it's Scripture. And here's the daunting thing. This is preached by Jesus Christ. The greatest preacher of all time brought this message. And so when you approach this, you've got to remember the Son of God, out of the limited time that He was here on this earth, these words were given to us as His sermon to usher in the kingdom of God. And so when I look at this, I embrace it because I need it. I would say that you would probably agree with me. Most of the days that I've had a bad day, it's been accompanied by a bad attitude. And I don't know about you, but there have been times that I've had a bad attitude. Maybe on your way to church tonight, there was... Things that you were processing that maybe you had a bad attitude. But I've had times in my life when I've had a bad attitude. Anybody else? Oh, I see some pointing. Great. Uh, But there have been times where I've had a bad attitude. I remember when I was just just a young married guy and my hair was not gray. And I remember I was struggling a little bit with my attitude. Now, I'm a positive guy. I hope you can tell, but I've always tried to be positive. But I was having some problems with attitude. And the first time I really embraced this text, it was because of two things that happened in my life. I had just come back from a conference about, uh, it it was called a prayer conference. It's where we just spent a lot of time in prayer. And while we were spending time in prayer, there was a gentleman there that was preaching, and he brought this message, and he preached, and I won't do that tonight, although Jared said, no clock's working. (laughs) He preached for an hour and 20 minutes. 
Now, for some of you, you're like, Lord, have mercy. I would have an attitude. <laughs> but, but no, he preached for, 120, uh, for uh, an hour and 20 minutes. And I want to tell you, probably an hour and 10 of those was just him reciting Scripture. He preached through Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and he had memorized every verse. And he would pause and speak. Now, I went to that time hungering and thirsting for more of God. And during that time, I began to pray about, God, what what are some things in this guy right here that needs some help? And one of the things that surfaced to me was attitude. And when he brought that, the Beatitudes, I thought, there's my answer. So I came back. And I began to work on this and seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain and when he was set, he began to open his mouth and teach them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those that are merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I said, Lord, that is me. I've got to memorize. And so I memorized Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. And then I took on a bigger task. I took on Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. You know what that is? The Ten Commandments. Because I wanted the law of God and I wanted the attitude of God to come together so that I could walk a little bit better than what I was walking. And so I tell you tonight, one of the best things that's worked in my life is trying to memorize large portions of Scripture. Trying to. Now I know that verse 4, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the merciful comes after. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. But when you but when you recite it over and over and you recite it over and over, you begin to walk through this text in a little bit different way. And so I encourage you as you're leaving this series tonight that maybe, just maybe, God brought me here to, to help you to maybe embrace this text a little bit differently than what you ever have. Let it be a guide to you, being blessed because I'm poor in spirit, so dependent on God for everything. Mrs. Lemon back there could tell you there have been times where I have looked at her with the most straight face possible and said, let's do this. And I was scared to death. But I remembered, blessed are the poor in spirit, those that are trusting for God to meet every need. Can I tell you that I signed a lease on a building for our church and we didn't have enough money, but I had faith. And those guys that walked out of there with me said, you're crazy. I said, I'm crazy, but I'm crazy for Jesus. And can I tell you that we never missed a mortgage payment. In fact, we moved out of that because we grew out of that facility and we had $16,000 in the bank. Why? Because when you're poor in spirit, God takes that and he uses that to glorify himself through you. When you mourn, what is that? That's when I'm sorrowful for all the things that are happening that that should not be happening. Can you ever relate to what Paul said? The things I wish I wouldn't do, I do. The things that I want to do, I don't find myself doing as often as I should. Has that ever happened in your life? It's happened in mine. And as I walk down through the text and I see everything that's here and I begin to see that not only is it that I need to mourn, but I I need to be meek. I need to be less of me, more of Christ. Before I came here tonight, I had a conversation with a fellow colleague. I called him. I said, you know what? 
I feel like I was prideful in our conversation. Would you forgive me of my pride? He said, I didn't hear that at all, but I want to tell you, I feel convicted of my pride by just you calling me. And I said, well, don't be convicted, because now I feel convicted that I convicted you, and then you tell me that, you know what I mean? But, but meek, being meek doesn't mean that I'm weak. Being meek means that I'm serving God and willing to serve God. I want to do what he wants me to do. I want to be meek so that God is glorified in my life. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Let me ask you, do you hunger for God? Do you thirst for him? Do you want him in your life more than anything else? Here's how it starts. Let me just give you another pointer that I've learned. I'm not saying I'm perfect in any way. I am so glad this church isn't equipped with something. And that is a cord that would attach into my brain and show you every thought that I had this week. Aren't you glad they don't have that for you too? Can I get an amen? Amen. Right? And so thank God for His mercy. Now I'm getting to our verse. Don't you worry. Okay? I know some of you are like, does he know the verse he's supposed to... I'm getting there. I promise. I'm a Baptist. We go slow. But you hunger and you thirst for righteousness. What does that mean? That means before my feet... Hit the floor. Let me, let me just encourage you. No, better yet, you remember the commercial that he, that, I forget the guy that he put a battery on his shoulder and he would say, I dare you to knock that off. I always said it was Steve McQueen, but it's not Steve McQueen. Robert Conrad. I remember that. It was like a challenge. So think of it like a challenge. It was a stretch, but it sounded good in my mind. Before your feet hit the floor tomorrow morning, Here's what I've learned that's helped me to be hungering and thirsting for God. I simply say this, Lord, this is the day you have made for me. Let me live it the way you want me to live it for you. And that I let my feet hit the ground. Can I tell you that the days where the dog is barking, the cat's trying to get inside, the the door that's closed, something else is happening, that I jump out of bed like the other night our power was off and at 3 a.m. it came back on. Those moments, I find that when I go into that day without that preparation in the beginning, I kind of go off the rails. But if I do that and I set my course, it's just like setting your course, like your GPS in your car. You're setting your course. Lord, I want to hunger and thirst for you. I don't want this day to go by without me being what you want me to be because you've created me for your glory, for your handiwork. I want to be merciful. That's not easy today, especially if you drive in Pittsburgh. Can I get an amen? Literally, yesterday, I was pondering these. I've just been reciting these passages. And I was right on this. And I had someone from the far left lane make a right-hand turn in the right-hand lane that I was in. And that was three lanes. And then they gave me the total Pittsburgh. Right? And I was like, look, holy hands for prayer. <laughs> anyway. Uh, merciful. So, you know, I don't always get that. But I'm, I'm working on it. I'm trying to be as merciful as I possibly can. Oh, I love this. Blessed are the pure in heart. I want my heart to be pure. There is nothing greater than to end a day knowing that between you and the God of the universe, there is nothing between us because my heart is pure. And that isn't some series of events that I have to do like American Ninja. That is just simply me in the quietness, in the best way that I know how, making sure that God knows that I want my heart to be pure and clean. And I confess because I'm meek, because I'm poor in spirit, because I hunger and thirst for him, that I want him to increase and I want to decrease. 
And then I move on from there about being a peacemaker. I was just talking about it. I feel like that's my number one role right now, trying to be a peacemaker, trying to bring the people of God together and help you love one another and help us all love one another. And we all struggle with love, right? How many people absolutely love their neighbor? Right? And if you say, that's me, preacher, let's go to your house. Let's ask all the neighbors. Amen. Right? I'm working on that too. I'm right there with you. There's some neighbors that are great. There's some that God brought as a test. Can I get an amen? It's like, love your neighbor. I'm trying to, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. But when I think about this, this text and we move from being pure in heart and that when we do that, we'll see God and peacemakers. We're called the sons of God. We come to this part of the passage of Scripture and, and it, it's one of those that that's curious for me when I, when I first begin to approach this because it says, blessed are those who are persecuted. Now that's not something that we get together and fellowship about, right? I don't think there's persecuted small groups. We're going to gather together. We're going to go to get persecuted, right? But we're blessed when we are. Notice, it, it goes on to say, because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of what? Heaven. Where did we see that before? We saw it at the beginning. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So it's like a bookshelf in between. It's reminding us that our focus is not on this earth, but our focus is on our heavenly Father and the, and the life that we have after our life on this earth. And so the Beatitudes are in place so that as we're living this life on the earth, we can stay on course so that we realize that what is the most important is not how many people think I'm great here, but that I am glorifying God that they see that God is great here. That is the key. When I'm persecuted, do you have any idea how many people were persecuted to death? A martyr last year, 1,207 people from what they gather from the sources that I read. 1,207 people lost their life simply because they said, I'm a Christian and I will not deny Christ. 1,207 people, most of them in the Sudan and in Africa and in the Middle East some in outlying areas, North Korea and others, but most in those pockets and in those areas. Another thing for us to pray before our feet hit the floor is what? Those pockets and those areas. Praying for strength for our brothers and sisters who are in harm's way that God would do His great work and bring many, many, many to Christ through those that have lost their lives as a reflection of their love and their devotion for the kingdom of heaven not the kingdom of this earth. And so when I look at that verse, I think to myself, well, persecuted, for me, isn't really all that hard when I think that 1,207 people gave their life because they said, no matter what you do to me, I'm not going to relent. I am not going to take back and recant that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. Let that sink in. They were at that moment and said, no, I will not give in. Jesus is my Lord. I think of 1 Peter chapter 4. You know, Peter is writing this letter of encouragement during Nero. And Nero is just doing unbelievable things to Christians. And they didn't deserve it. Have you ever been blamed for something you didn't deserve? 
just even that moment alone just brings up things of our flesh that we're not even excited about. But he says in verse 12, Dear friends, do not, chapter 4, verse 12, Do not be surprised. Do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. <laughs> now let me ask you, when you're in a trial, isn't that where we say, Lord, why is this happening? How could this be? Peter said, don't, don't think that that's surprising. In fact, that's normal, not surprising. But rejoice, he says, that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. I think back of a time when we were on a mission trip, uh, the Helgermans and, and myself and, and some others, uh, Mark and I were ministering in this, uh, this uh, village, uh, and it was a Haitian village, and uh, we're, in, we're literally in the middle of nowhere, right? And these guys come to church, and they all have, like, machetes. Now, nothing gets you closer to the Lord than people coming to church with machetes. Can I get an amen? <laughs> yeah. And then the, the guy that was helping us, he said, you sing? I said, I sing. He said, you need a guitar? I said, I'll take a guitar. He said, do you need an amp? I said, I'll take an amp. And let me tell you what happens in the Dominican. Everything's on 10. There's no 8 sound people. It's 10, right? And so uh, w- there was no power there. So he pulls this truck up, and we hook this battery cables to it, and we feed it to the amp. Now, that was a moment of faith, to grab the guitar and strum. But we did. And we sang, and we preached, and we prayed. And I'll never forget, 27 people walked forward to receive Christ. But here's the thing I won't forget. There were five or six of them that were dads. They were fathers. They were the leaders of their home. And when they stood up, others in their family just followed right after them. They were waiting for dad. There were some young men that stood up, and their family didn't. And they walked forward. And I will never forget this. There were moms holding on to these boys screaming and crying out that they wouldn't come forward because they knew if they did, their life would change forever. Because the hold of the witch doctor and black magic in that village was overwhelming. When we came, there were two people that were Christians in that village. But after two years when we left, there were only six people that were not Christians. God is good. Amen? But you see, because they were willing to walk forward and not worried about what persecution on this earth would bring, and they wanted to bring glory to their Father in the most simple way as an expression of saying, I believe and I want to receive and I want all to know that Jesus Christ is my Lord. I believe that was the flames that God used to bring revival to that village, to change that village from where it was to where it is. And here's the cool thing. Two guys that were there that were witch doctors, they got saved too. (laughs) Amen? So, blessed are you when you're persecuted. I don't think any of them thought that when they stood up. They just said, there's Jesus, I need him, I'm going. And let me remind you that that's the simple faith that we need every day. There's Jesus This is my mission. I'm going.
Doesn't matter what anybody else says. Doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. You know, we spend more time worried about what people think that don't even really matter in our lives that keep us back from the greatest things that God could do in our lives because we're worried about what they will think. Can I encourage you? Don't worry about it. Because they're going to lay their head on, on their pillow tonight and they're not worried about you. And they're not as impressed with you as you think they are. And I know that from experience. So let me, let me just, can I get some bonus? Is it all right if I do bonus? All right, good. No one threw anything. Good. Uh, verse 13. Oh, man, this is so good. So when I said you've got to embrace it, you're waiting for point number two, aren't you? Not only do you embrace it, that's verses 5 or 3 through 12, but, but you've got to live it out. You see, it would be something if Jesus just stopped right there and said, hey, that's a great attitude. Let's everyone do that. But no, the next, the next few verses is Jesus saying, now here's how you take this truth and how you live it out in front of all those that are around you. And he starts off by saying, you are the salt of the earth. And back in that day, that was the currency. I mean, when you had salt, man, you had something. And so here's what Jesus is saying to this group of people. Some of them were critics. Some of them were just desperate for God. I mean, if you go back to chapter 4, you see all the region, all these people are being healed. He's got all these crowds following. Them. Some for the right reasons, some for the wrong reasons. And he says, you're the salt of the earth. To some people, they had never felt valued. Can I tell you tonight, if you don't feel valued because of where you are in your life, let me assure you, as I shared with a young man just the other day, your heavenly father loves you. Not just likes you, loves you. Loves you so much that he gave his precious son. Listen, I love my son. That would be so hard for me to do for you. But he gave his son for you. To die for you. For every mistake you would ever make. Even the ones you didn't want to make. And even the ones you did. And he died so that you would have worth. You are the salt of the earth. You and I are to be the seasoning around others that they realize that's not good. In the elevator the other day, some guy said an F word. And it wasn't fun. And another lady turned to him because she knew where I worked and said, you shouldn't say that around him. What is that? Salt of the earth. Amen? I don't mind correcting people. Get your trashy potty mouth out of my face. Amen? You can say it in a nice way. I don't like that. Be the salt of the earth, because if the salt loses its flavor or its savor, it's therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and trampled under the foot of man. That's not us. We're joint heirs of the kingdom of heaven. And then he says, you're a city that is set on a hill. And you can't hide a city that's set on a hill. You can try all you want, but you can't because why? There are so many lights and expressions of light in a city. You can't hide the city. And the same is true when God takes root and roost in you that you can't hide that you are a believer in Christ. It'll just come out. Have you ever been around someone and they said, you a Christian? Right? And it wasn't that you wore your suit that said, I'm a Christian. Christ Church of Grove Farm, right? No. It's because a city that's set on a hill can't be hid. And he goes on to say that live your life in such a way that your light shines that others see the Father in your life. And they glorify not 
you. I love that expression. You know why? It's not about you or me. I don't have to meet this certain bar. It's about the glory of God shining through me. Not me trying to muster up the glory of God. The more I surrender and I'm poor in spirit, the more the glory of God shines through me. The more that I walk with him in meekness and loneliness and mourn and hunger and thirst, and I show mercy to those around me, the more the glory of God is shown through me. The more that my heart is pure and that I want to be a peacemaker and that I'm not afraid of persecution, the more of the glory of God that shines through me. So it's not enough just to embrace it. But I want to embrace it so that no matter where I am, I live it for the glory of God. So that God is glorified, not me. So as we get ready to walk into this most beautiful week, don't you just love Holy Week and Easter? Oh, man. I thank God you sacrificed all this for me? For me? Oh. I get to walk with you. And I get to come on Sunday and I get to embrace what Colossians says that you went to that cross to wipe out every handwriting of ordinance that was against me so that every debt that I had would be paid. Man, when I get to join with the church and say he is risen indeed, it means to me that not only is he risen, but he has wiped away every sin debt that I will ever have. And because of that, I say, thank you, God. How about you? Amen? Amen. So as we leave these Beatitudes, let me encourage you, memorize them. But don't just embrace them by memorizing them. Live them. Because we have a lost and dying world that I want to tell you, it's rare on a day that I don't meet someone with a bad attitude. And the best remedy for a bad attitude is a B-attitude. And they're only going to get that from Jesus. Can we pray? Lord Jesus, thank you. For without you, we are nothing. Even our best stuff is like, it's just like filthy rags. But because of the work you've done, we are invited and we are given a place in your kingdom. We are joint heirs with you. That is incredible, God. And just as you've inspired us to remember that you have loving kindness and that you are merciful. Thank you for that. For without that, we would all be lost. Help us to leave this room tonight, but leave this text wanting to embrace your attitudes and to live them out so that many, many others will see you and glorify you. And we pray this in the strong and mighty name of our Savior Jesus Christ and all of God's people said.